Very, very familiar passage of scriptures. I've preached from this text many, many times. I feel like I have a different view on it this morning. And so, with the help of the Lord, I hope I can convey the word of the Lord unto you as to what God wants to say to us. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 says this, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, Which? As to say, which commandments? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou will be perfect, that word perfect don't mean perfect like we think, but that word means if you will be complete, if you want to be complete, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You may be seated. He had great possessions. I first want to bring to your attention this morning the topic that we will speak from today. And that is, there is a price for eternal life. There is a price for eternal life. Uh, I get the feeling oftentimes that we like to acknowledge the goodness of God, but we don't like to acknowledge the commandments of God. We're good with saying God has been good to me and God has blessed me and God has kept me and he has done all those things and God has provided for me and God has given me health and strength and God has blessed my home and my family and God answers my prayers and God is watching out for me and all of those things are true. But we tend to struggle with obeying the commandments. And God can't change. His word is what it says. And as much as he's loving you and as much as he's looking out for you and as much as he's taking care of you, he still has his commandments. They're written and they will never change. So we're going to have to figure out how to balance this thing in being joyful and being appreciative of all that God is doing. But at the same time, Embracing the commandments with joy as well, whether we like them or we don't. You know, one of the things that I've found with God and doing my very best and at times failing but still trying is I'm not always going to like everything that I read about God. You know, sometimes I don't know what people think, well, the preacher like everything in the Bible. I don't know if people think like that. But I got to tell you, I'm no different from you. I'm made just like you. I hurt just like you. I get disappointed just like you. I get upset just like you. I don't want to do things sometimes just like you. But what I've learned about God is you just try doing what he tells you. And keep on doing what he tells you. And keep on doing what he tells you. And that thing that you didn't like when you first read it that he told you. You just keep doing it. And after a while you'll see. Oh, I like this. 
this is all right because if you do it long enough, you will realize that, you know what, it's good for me. And so the very first time I read, I read about fasting. I didn't smile and was like, whoa, yes, sir, let's fast. (laughs) No, sir, I like to eat. And so I wasn't a fan of fasting. But I've come to appreciate fasting because I realize when I fast for three days, oh, my Lord, I feel like Superman. And so I've learned that I'm not in agreement initially with everything the Bible says. Just like you're not always in agreement with everything the Bible says. And it's nothing wrong with that because we are who we are and we weren't raised. Some of us weren't raised in this all our lives. Some of us, this is not all that we've ever known. So when we finally stumble up on some things in God's word, we say, whoa, I didn't know that was there. But now what? And the what is, you have to challenge yourself and push yourself to say, I am not a fan of this, but I'm going to have to do what God says. God says in his word, if you love me. Keep my commandments. If you love me. So, it's no different than when your kids are asking for something. And you don't want to do it. Or you might can't do it. You don't have the money because that's usually what they want. Can I get this for the trip that they're having in school? And you're like, I don't have the money. And then you have to choose between having some money in your pocket for lunch this week at work or giving your kids some money so they can go on a trip to school. You don't want to give them that money. But you love your child. And so what you do, you give them the money and just figure, I just have to make some sandwiches and take the work this week. You just got to do what you got to do. And so there is a price. For eternal life. God has afforded us eternal life, but there is a price. What is eternal life? Eternal life. We've heard that in the Bible, we've read it, and we say, What is eternal life? And if we don't have eternal life, what will we have instead? What is eternal life? And if we don't possess eternal life, what do we have? Eternal life is a gift from God to us. However, there is a price for eternal life. Eternal life refers to the quality and character of one new existence in Christ Jesus, as well as the unending character of his, this eternal life. Eternal life, it is the glorious future promised to God's people who have been born again of the water and of the spirit and have continued to keep the faith. Eternal life, it is the blessed life that we will enjoy endlessly in the future. Eternal life, what does eternal life mean? It means we will be in God's presence and in fellowship with God eternally. Now, we cannot grasp that word eternal because it means no ending. Just like God is a God of no beginning and no ending, there's coming a time where we will enter into eternity. Some will argue and say You entered into eternity when you became born again of the water and of the spirit and continued to live for God. We can agree to that, but we know that eternity, we step into it when we leave this life that we know in this world. We stepped into eternity. And so you will exist eternally. How you exist eternally That depends on you. If we do not have eternal life, by default, we have eternal punishment. Uh 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. If we do not obtain eternal life, the only thing left for us to obtain is eternal punishment. Because eternal punishment was really never for us. Eternal punishment was for the demons where, well, let's go from here. Eternal punishment is for the angels that rebelled against God who became demons. And so because they are going to exist eternally, there is eternal punishment for them. And so that's what eternity or eternal punishment was instituted for, for those demons that rebelled against God. But if humans decide to live a life of rebellion towards God, then they get lumped in with the ones who were created to live eternally in eternal punishment. Does that make sense? Eternal punishment means we will be out of God's presence and out of fellowship with God eternally. We will also be tormented eternally. And that's the eternal punishment. Let me lighten the note a little bit here. The young man, even though the young man who approached Jesus was rich and had need of nothing, he realized that he lacked one thing, and that was eternal life. I don't know if you, I don't know if it was a movie called 2012. Brother D, you're a movie guy. And the movie depict that a lot of rich people got together and built something like a Noah's Ark out of steel. Hmm? 2012. And they made an ark out of steel to say, if any more catastrophe come, we're good. And these rich people had this steel ark just waiting for anything. But you weren't able to get into this steel ark if if you weren't rich. And so, even rich people know there's an eternal life that's coming. There's destruction that's coming. And if you're not prepared for that destruction that's coming, then you're going to be destroyed. And so, I'm thinking, this rich guy, understood no matter how much money he had that there's such a thing that's called eternal life i'm not sure how he thought he could obtain eternal life but you know rich people they think they can buy their way into anything or give their way into anything so he realized looked at his life i got everything but you know what this eternal life thing i don't have that now i must figure out a way how to get that so he went to jesus Yo, dude, how do I get eternal life? Because he's just figuring there's, I am so loaded. I have so much connections. I know so many people that there has got to be a way for me to have eternal life. I can pay for it. I can do something. I can influence somebody. But I got to have eternal life because that's the only thing that I lack. I got everything else under control. His question to Jesus was, what good thing shall I do to inherit eternal life? I love that question. What good thing? Focus on the good thing. Jesus' response to him was this. Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. Man, when God opens his mouth, he is saying so much. So much more than what we're perceiving. So, check this out. What Jesus was in essence saying to this rich dude, there is no good thing that you can do to inherit eternal life. There is no good thing any one of us can do. You can't be good enough to somehow have God says, well, you got eternal life. You've been so good, Robert. Here is eternal life. You've been so good, man. Let me hook you up so you can come to heaven with me. There is no good thing any one of us can ever do. So all 
all the people that are living as a good person, as this kind of person who does all good to everybody. I will be Mother Teresa. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how good thing you do, how many good things you do, you cannot have eternal life from doing good things. Everybody said Mother Teresa went to heaven. I don't know nothing about that. All I'm telling you is, your goodness cannot get you eternal life. What's your proof of that, preacher? The Bible says, Haley, that there's only one that's good. Only God is good. If only God is good, me and you, we're no good. So if we're not good, how can we do good things? Woo! That's the real issue. That's why we cannot do any good thing to earn eternal life. So you can treat people as good as you want. You can be as nice as you can to them saying, I know God's going to bless me and God's going to do this for me because I've been good, right, Brother Teddy? But I'm telling you, ask Brother Teddy. He knows. He recognizes. No matter how good I am, no matter how good I treat people, I can't get eternal life except I do what God God says. Only one good but God. So for all of you that think you're good, just acknowledge now, the Bible says only one good and that's God. Now, how do you become good? Just do what God do. That's the only way you can do good is do what God does. Because he is good. So if you mimic him, then you do good. You're not good. You do good. So we like to say, you got to do godly things. Yes. But it's really good things too. Because whatever God does, it's good. And so if you want to be good, just do what God do. If you do anything else outside of what God do, you're not good. You're not good at your core. But if you want to show and demonstrate goodness, you have to do what God did. So we cannot do anything to earn eternal life by just being good. Let me talk nice. Let me treat her right. You won't get eternal life for that. God says, there's only one good. And that is God. And so, dude was stuck. So Jesus was letting them know, you can't do anything good. None of us can do anything good to eat, to inherit eternal life. Jesus, however, did tell him, but there's a way for you to have eternal life. He did tell him that. He said, there's a way for you to have eternal life. He said to him, keep the commandments. You want to inherit eternal life? Keep the commandments. Forget about being good because you ain't no good. You can tell your neighbor, you ain't no good. Forget about trying to be good. Come sit down in church and act like you're good. Forget about that. That's not going to earn you anything. Now, if you come to church and decide, I'm going to obey the commandments, that's a whole different ballgame now. The only way we're going to get to heaven is when we obey the commandments. But there's a lot of commandments, I tell you. (laughs) Jesus did tell him, keep the commandments. So here's the dude. Well, okay, Jesus, which one of the commandments should I keep? Jesus started reciting the commandments to him because Jesus knows everything. He's God in the flesh. And so Jesus started reciting them to him. Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. He probably was smiling as Jesus was reciting them. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Got a bigger smile. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, thy mother, and thou shalt not, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He had a little smirk on his face. Jesus, I've kept all those commandments from, I was a youngster. Man, I got that. I've done that, Jesus. Yeah, I'm good right there. Jesus said to him, If you want to be complete, though, because you're still not complete. All those commandments that you kept, still not complete. You've done good. You've done pretty good. 
But you're still incomplete. Incomplete, Sister Aisha. You're still not complete. And so, he says, what you have to do if you want to be complete. If you want to be totally complete, he said, you have to sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and come and follow me. Mm-hmm. Dude was like, oh, oh. And he walked away sorrowful. That's what the Bible says. He walked away sorrowful. Now, Jesus in that statement, sell all your possession, give it to the poor, give the money to the poor, meaning he broke now, and come follow me. Jesus had just told him the rest of the commandments in that statement. He didn't give him all the statement, all the commandments in that statement, but he, in essence, told him, here's the rest of the commandments. Sell all that you have. With that money, give it to the poor. Then come with me and follow me. Mimic me from now on. Going forth, just follow me. Preacher, how are you going to say that's the rest of the commandments? Mark chapter 12. Verse 28. I'm going to be done early today. Good for y'all. Mark chapter 12. Verse 28. And one of the scribes came and have heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well. Ask him, which is the first commandment of all? So Jesus, when he told him all the commandments, he gave him number five on down. He never touched one, two, three, four. He just gave him number five on all. And so here is a text now that's talking about the rest of the commandments from the beginning. Verse 29. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse 30, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. God didn't leave anything else for you to hold on to. He says, love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. What else is left? Because strength means body. He left nothing out. This is the first commandment. Verse 31. And the second is like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This or there is none other commandments greater than these. So, forget about all the commandments today. Because you can't keep up with them. Forget about them. You can't keep up with them. If you try, you're going to get frustrated. Try to keep up with all the commandments. We just read the two commandments that if you do those two, you don't have to worry about no other commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart. With all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So God said, love me with everything you've got. And then love your neighbor as yourself. You do those two, and you don't have to worry about no other commandments. This morning I was teaching, I was telling you, know the ways of God. And you will always know the decisions to make. And God is telling us, love him, love others, and love ourselves. Anytime you have to do something that's going to hurt somebody, it doesn't matter how much you know you're right. You just got to know that ain't of God. Now, I'm not talking about people who take things the wrong way and get all worked up for the wrong reason. That's that's a them issue. I'm just talking about you just deliberately hurting somebody because you have to do what you have to do. That's not godly. 
because God says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if you're loving your neighbor like you love yourself, how would you deliberately just hurt someone? And so every failure we've had in our life in trying to live for Christ is either not loving God or not loving somebody. Every one of the failures, every time we fail, we weren't loving God and we weren't loving people. That's why we failed. The decision that we made, we made it, but it wasn't out of love. It was out of selfishness. Do those two commandments and you fulfill every one of the commandments. You fulfill all the laws, everything that God is asking you to do. If you can do that, you are fulfilling everything. That leaves no wiggle room for none of us. God's got us right here. We can say whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. But at the end of the day, we still got to come back to that scripture right there and those two commandments. And we have to explain how could you have made a decision when I told you love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength and love your neighbors. How could you tell me how do you make that decision doing what the commandments, those two commandments says. And God will always have that for us to ponder. Verse 32 in that old text says, and the scribe said unto him, well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God and there is none other but he. Jesus can't be son God and God be father God. Because then there's two God. Son God and father God, or let me say it proper for you, the son of God and the almighty God. Those are two gods. Right? And some people say the Holy Ghost is the other God. So that would be three gods, right? But this say one God. So what are we going to do about that? Let you ponder that. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength. And to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offering and sacrifices. So let me tell you what that's saying. If you do those two commandments, it doesn't matter how much offering you offer God or how much sacrifice you offer God, it still is not better than loving God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and loving people. So sometimes what we try to do, that a little bit, what we try to do, is offer things to people, but not love people. What we try to do is a little sacrifice here and there to say, I care, but you don't love. And that's what God is trying to get us to get out of. Trying to get us to realize, don't go around giving things to people because you can afford to give them things and show off about it. That's not loving anybody. Don't go sacrificing, you know, oh, I'll do this for you. I'll bend over backwards for you. Because all you're doing it for is so you can talk about it later. And God knows the intent of all of our hearts. And so God is trying to tell us love is not about bribery. Love is not about doing stuff so you can get credit. Love is not saying, look at what I'm doing. Love is a whole different ballgame. And so the rich young ruler, let me let me show you what I wrote here. And, and I'm telling you, I, I felt like I wrote it under inspiration of the Holy Ghost with the rich young ruler. Listen, the commandments that he had kept may not have been a big deal for him to keep because he was rich. See, some of us, we're all in different status. We're all in different situations, and what may be a sacrifice for me might not be a sacrifice for you. What might be true for me may not be true for you. And so we're all in different status, different situations. And so here is this guy, he bragged about all the commandments that Jesus recited to him that he had kept, but maybe he was able to keep them because he was rich. Think about this. He probably got his inheritance, his riches from his parents. So if you're rich, you're able probably 
to have close friends because you can buy them. I'm telling you, I feel, like I, was, I feel like I was inspired by the Holy Ghost to tell you what I'm getting ready to tell you. You can buy those close friends because you got money. You can, you can get you a nice, gorgeous wife, a pretty gorgeous wife, who will do everything for you without no problems. Y'all, come on now, stop playing around. You, better, you might as well just get it out. How many of these um, athletes we see with pretty women and they look busted? He promised the woman or she knows, oh, he's loaded. I'll get whatever I want. I'm not going to worry about how he looks. He can, he can carry me on his arm. I just know we're loaded. So the bottom line is he, he could have got him a pretty wife, gorgeous, look good. That says, whatever you want, honey. Just like a robe. Anything you want, honey. And she got whatever she want. She's be rich. So, you got a pretty wife. You better not. You got a wife that's doing everything for you. What's the need to commit adultery for? You got everything. Okay. Moving right along. He didn't have to steal. He buy whatever he want. He buy you out of your house. I divert to tell you this great movie that I watch over and over. Um, well, I can't remember it right now. But this movie where this guy became rich, he found some treasure and he became rich. Count of Monte Cristo. The Count of Monte Cristo. Love this movie. So dude got rich and he got his treasure. And the dude with the richest house in the land. The rich dude went to him and says, I want to buy that. He pulled up with a little horse and carriage with the whole back of it filled of gold coins and says, he said, I want to buy your house. The dude was like, my house is not for sale. Get out of here. You're crazy. Then they lift up the blanket and he looked in the thing and said, oh, you can have it. Here's the keys. <laughs> so when you got money, you don't have to steal. You buy everything. So this dude was rich. So he didn't have to struggle to keep those commandments. He didn't have to steal. He didn't have to lie on anyone. Why you got to lie on anyone? You buy everybody. You do everything because money control everything in this world. He may have showed what he may have considered love to his parents. Why? Because they gave him his inheritance. So he had to at least respect his parents. And then he may have brought nice things for his neighbors every time he bought something for himself. Does that mean... That he was loving anybody? All of what he was doing was just stuff that he could have done. And I'll tell you this, in your own personal life, this is where we get tripped up a lot of times. What you are good at and what you can endure that somebody else is not good at and can't endure, don't be pointing fingers. Let me take a step deeper. You are a relation, relational person. I talked about this Thursday night Bible study. You are a relational person and you're a touchy-feely person and you have to have companion and you need to experience love and affection and all that. And the other person is not like that. What's your problem? Why? Because you're cold and you're not like touchy-feely? You're mad at the other person for like affection? And we treat each other with disdain, bad, because you are one that can do without it, and this person can't do without it, and you're treating the person that can't do without it like, what is the wrong, what is wrong with you? And vice versa, the person that got to have it is treating the other person like, you're evil because you won't do this. Oh yeah, I know I'm going somewhere. I, I'm not even, y'all better hear what I'm saying today. There's a medium, there's, there's some middle ground that we need to get to because the one over here is holding his or her position like, I can't believe you're doing this and you're speaking out of your own emotion and what you desire that you're not getting and the other one over here is speaking out of how they feel and where they stand and it's just not going anywhere. But someplace we got to meet in the middle. The word of God tells us though, love. And so... If you're trying to get it right, the only way to get it right 
is to follow what Jesus said, which is the love. I don't feel like blah, 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 blah. But what God said, love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. It's important for us to understand that we can't go ahead and brag about what we're good at as opposed to what somebody else is not good at. Because God made us all different. We all have different feelings about different things. And so we can't go banging on somebody, giving them a hard time because of how they feel and how they behave about something. The only thing we can do is saying, how is love working in this situation? How am I demonstrating love? And that's the only thing that you can do. The Bible states he went away sorrowfully and did not obey Jesus's command. So not only he wasn't keeping those first four commandments, actually the first all right, first four. Not only was he, wasn't he not keeping the first four commandments, he, he also didn't do what Jesus told him to do. Sell all your stuff, give the money to the poor, come follow him. He would have done almost anything to gain eternal life. All right, you did that. You called it Brother Tom. He would have done almost anything to gain eternal life. And I believe there's a lot of people in our world today that would do almost anything to gain eternal life. Not everything, but almost. The rich young ruler is teaching us something that we need to examine ourselves. Are we that kind of individual? Are we that kind of person that's saying, I will do almost anything to get eternal life? Almost. Almost. And maybe you haven't said it out your mouth yet, but that's how you've been living. I will do almost. Because there's a couple things that, uh, can't give that up. There's a few things, uh, I just can't give that up. And so we are struggling to give God what we need to give God because that thing, I just can't give that up. And I guarantee you I can speak to anybody in this place. And if you are struggling with your relationship with God, it is something or a couple of things right in your midst, right in your grasp that you're saying, oh, I just can't give. Just put that right there and let me deal with everything else. Almost. Almost. What is that thing? Or what are those things that you just, you're, they're non-negotiable to you with God? And, 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 and you will not negotiate with God. You will not even think about it. Like, no, God, I, I, I will do everything else, but no, I'm not doing that. And we're doing that with our soul every day. Almost, God. But I don't know about that. There is, there was one thing he wasn't willing to part ways with. There was one thing he wasn't willing to give up for eternal life. There was one price he was not willing to pay for eternal life. Is there a price you're not willing to pay for eternal life? Is there something you're saying, I will give anything, just not that for eternal life? We read last week about a man that was willing to give his only son up for eternal life. What is that thing in your life that you're saying, ah, I just can't. What is it in your life that's stopping you from doing what God wants you to do? What is that thing that's hindering you from just giving everything to God? What is that thing that you're saying, I know I can do more, but why the but? Why the but? Why you can't give more? Why you can't do more? Why you can't give everything to God who gave everything for you? What are we struggling with? Are we walking away sorrowfully like the rich young ruler? Oh God, I did all those things for some of us. I'm concerned that we can be good Christians. Well, let me take that back. For some of us, I'm concerned that we can get involved in the things of God and, and do a whole lot of things of God. But because we decide to hold on to one thing 
or two things that we're saying, God, I just got to do this. We don't make it. I told him at the, at, 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 the, at the prison Friday night, I said, listen, and y'all have heard me say this before. I told this to Brother Teddy long while ago when I met him. If you don't want to do this the way it needs to be done, then just go party and have a good time and do everything you ever wanted to do and go to hell in style. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, what I know it sounds harsh, but I just know for me, if I made up in my mind or I'm playing games or I'm not sure, I'm just, listen, let me just at least do what I want. So when I go to hell, I went to hell for what? For something. Some people are going to go to hell for nothing. One little thing or two little things or three little things. You did all the other stuff and this one or two things you didn't want to do. And all of a sudden, you went. I don't know about you, but even in my struggles, I'm still saying, I know I'm supposed to give that up. I know I got to give that up. I'm working at it. I, I can't. There is nothing that's off limits with God. Everything is on limit with God. There's nothing I'm holding on to say, oh, God, that's off limits. No, when he, when, when, when he, when he says, to, when he, when he, when he gets me and says, you know what you're doing over there, that, that, I'm not having that, Wayne. Yeah, you're right, Lord. I don't have time to be talking about, but God, and try to find scripture. We love to try to find scripture to back up what we think when all it come down to is, I want to do this. Just be a man, be a, this is what I want to do. I don't need no scripture because this is what I'm going to do. But we still want to feel like we are good. We're almost there. The dude kept some of the commandments, but he didn't keep all the commandments. And like I said last week and still saying this week, Jesus wants all because he gave all. And you can't withhold anything from him. He wants all because he gave all. And it's just, it, he, he can't accept anything less. He would be a silly, crazy God if he accepts some of you when he gave all of himself. That's what relational problems are. Somebody giving more and the other person ain't giving enough. And that's the problem. The same problem we got with God is what we have in our real relationship with each other. And it goes back and forth. So today you're giving all and the other person is not. And you hold out as long as you can to give your all. And all of a sudden nothing is changing. You know what you start doing? Taking back your all and only start giving some. Then when the other person realized you took back your all and only given some, they want to give their all. Yeah. That's with people, though, that are wishy-washing up and down and want to always please themselves. God has already gave all. He, he is not, he's not trying to keep back because you're not giving all. All he's saying is, I've given all and I won't touch you until you're ready to give all. That's all he's saying. He's not upset with you because you're still experiencing his blessing. And that's what is tricky because God is still loving you. God is still trying to care for you. God is still trying to lead you in the path of righteousness. And so you see that and you think it's okay when no, God is just love. Bible says God is love and love, love everybody and love treat everybody right. And so because God loves you and treating you right, it don't mean you will get eternal life because he's treating you right. Oh, somebody help me. We can't confuse eternal life with God loving us. We can't confuse eternal life with God treating us really good. God loves you, so he's going to treat you good. And guess what? He's always going to try to treat you good to hopefully get you to say, you know what? Here I go, God. He will never quit. He will never quit treating you good. He will never quit loving you. He will never quit making you just lead you in the right place. He will never quit doing that. 
But the problem is we take that and believe we're all good. Well, that's why I'm preaching to you what I'm preaching to you today. So you won't get confused. And so when you go home today, you're going to have to start looking to yourself and realize I'm blessed today. That don't mean I'm going to have eternal life. Give me some more amens. Uh, I left church today. I understand that God loves me and I'm blessed. I understand that God is on my side. I understand that God wants me saved, but it don't mean I'm going to be saved. Because at the end of the day, I got to do something about that one. Yeah? Uh-huh. I can't hold back what I'm holding back. I can't hold on to what I'm holding on to. I can't keep doing what I like and not realize that God is not pleased with it. Matthew sixteen twenty six says this. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? This is talking about the whole world. This is talking about great possessions. And the thing that we probably holding on to at one point in time, some point that we're going to look back and be like, what was I thinking? How many things already in your life that you stopped doing and you said, what was I thinking? So that thing that you're messing around with right now that's getting in the way that you holding on to, when you let that go for good and move on, you're going to look back and say, what was I thinking that I held on that long for this silly situation? You're going to look back and like, you know, we hit our head in the, hit ourselves in the head upside our head like, what was you thinking? Man, how many times you did that? I can't tell you how many times I did that. Like, what were you thinking? Man, what was I thinking? And that's what we will end up doing if we would just say, God, you're right. And I'm wrong. And I got to get rid of this thing. And I got to stop doing this thing. And I got to stop worrying about this thing and give my all to you. Will it be said you almost made it to heaven. Can you imagine the rapture take place? And you in church when the rapture take place. And all you know is all of a sudden everybody disappeared. And about three people left. And you look around like, what happened? And you're going to know right away what happened. Because you got the Holy Ghost. You're going to know right away. Oh, snap. You're going to start pinching yourself like, am I dreaming? I'm telling you, I can picture that, man. Like, like, like we just get, all get raptured in the, in the twinkling of an eye. Boom. Whoever's supposed to be gone, gone. And you left back. You're like, nah, I'm getting ready to wake up. I'm getting ready to wake up. You ever had some dreams that you were so glad you woke up? Yeah. 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 I woke up. That was a dream. Thank you, Jesus. That was a dream. Woo. And I believe when the rapture come, some people are going to want to wake up and can't wake up. They're going to keep on realizing. You're going to walk out of the church building and see the accidents. Now it's still a dream. You're going to try your best to get everything going. And you're going to realize it's not a dream. And you're going to have to deal with the reality that the church just got raptured and I didn't get in the rapture. What is that one thing you're not willing to give up? What is the price you are unwilling to pay? The money afforded him his identity. Here's, here's something that you need to think about. The money afforded the rich man his identity that he was not willing to die to that identity and take on a new identity in Christ. That's a big one. That's a big one. I give my oldest son a hard time and tell him that's one of his issues he's got his style he like to style look good you know got the talk got the swag and that's how he carries himself so he has created this this identity and if you give all to christ that identity is gone it's no longer mr swag and look at me and this is what i do it's now christ 
And I believe for many of us, it may not be possessions. It, it, it may not be because, you know, it, it may not be this one specific thing or two. It could just be who you are that you're trying to hold on to. And you don't want to become a child of Christ. You don't want to be identified as a child of Christ. You want to be identified as who you are, but not as a child of God. Amen. This dude has his identity. Yo, you know so-and-so, the rich dude. Everybody knew him as the rich dude. And the people that knew him well, they knew him as whatever that's loaded. Is giving up your identity to be identified with Jesus Christ a problem for you? I understand what my oldest son is going through. Because when I came to Christ, I was kind of like that. That's why I pray so hard for him. Because I realize my kids have so much of me in them. It's crazy. And so when I came to church, I am so-and-so. This is how I do things. I was just telling somebody yesterday, I, I drank certain uh, liquor because it, it, it identified who I am. If I go to Princeton and I sat at, 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 at the, uh, the t- go to tap room and sit at the bar, I ordered 24-year-old single malt scotch Glenlivet neat. Yeah, I know you don't know. Don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. Yep, 24-year-old Glenlivet or McAllen or Glenfiddich. It's single malt scotch, 24 years old. You're probably paying $42 just for one glass. But I sat down and ordered that. Why? Because you're going to know who I am today. I'm just telling you how I go. But all of us, that was me, but all of us have some kind of identity thing that when you go around, you say, you're going to know who I am and you behave a certain way so they know who you are. That was my way in some instances. Because you got to see, I had, um, and I'm closing. I had three different crowds of people that I rolled with. Right? I worked in Princeton all my life, so I was with the Italian and the Caucasian in Princeton. I didn't mess with black people up there. That's just me and them. Me and, me and, me and, me and the Italian people. I, 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 don't mess with, I don't mess with some people when me and my people's rolling, right? Me and Tony Perone, we get in the Corvette, we drive. I don't mess with nobody, just me and Tony. When I go to the Upper Deck in Philadelphia, of course I'm Jamaican. So I'm all Jamaican in the Upper Deck. Then when I come to Trenton, me and my boys roll around in Trenton. So I had three different kind of lifestyles I had to live. And in every one of those lifestyles, I had something that I demonstrated as my identity. You all have identity things that you are identified with that you want to hold on to. It could be a look. It could be some things that you do, but you holding on to that identity. And so you just holding on and you don't want to give it up for God. And God is asking today, will you give up that identity for me? Here's where I'm finishing up. What will you let get in between you and God or get in between your relationship with God or get in between eternal life and you? The price each of us will pay or the price. Each of us will have to pay to inherit eternal life is one thing. All of us have to pay the same price for eternal life. The same price. The highest price you can pay, that same price. There's nothing more valuable than this one price. Other than your life, obviously. But you know what the price is? The price is love. That's the price we all got to pay. Because it's love that will cause you to do what you're supposed to do. The Bible says the first and great commandment. The Lord our God is one and we must love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. So that means, I don't want to do this, but God, I love you. See, that's where we're missing this thing. I don't feel good about going to church today, God, but I love you. God, that person get on my nerves, and they just just so mean and rude, but I 
can't treat them any. But I love you, God. I'll treat them good. I don't feel like praying. I'm tired. But I love you, God. That's the price. That's the price that we don't want to pay. The price we don't want to pay, Ivan. We got to say, God, I will pay it. I love you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. The price he paid for us was love. And he's looking for us to pay the same price. Back to him. That's what it's about. And so when you think that you're not doing this, and you're not doing that because of whatever reason, I'm telling you what the reason is today. Your love is not real love. And you're going to have to get that love right with God. Because when you get that love right with God, then you will say, I don't feel like it, God. But I remember how Jesus did it. Oh, Lord, if this cup can pass me, the weight of the sins of this world is weighing on me. And I'm praying and my sweat is on his blood dropping because I feel the and the weight of all the sins of this world. I don't think I can sustain this any longer. Will you let this cup pass, oh God? Because I don't want to do it. But I love you. And since I love you, I have to do it. You might not want to do it. But since you love God, you have to do it. You might not feel like doing it, but since you love God, you have to do it. You might not want to treat somebody the right way because of how they've been treating you. But the commandment was for me to love them as I love myself. The price we have to pay for eternal life is love. Will you stand with me? The price we have to pay Love is the price. God paid that price for you and me. The blood came afterwards, but the blood couldn't have come if there was no love. If we're going to love God, we need to start reading the word of God. I will tell you, read the book of John. Read through it so you can learn who God is, so you can fall in love with him. You may not love him because you just didn't understand and you don't know. But if you will begin to read the book of John from John chapter 1 and just keep on reading it and reading every day, read a little bit, read a little bit, so you can come to know this God who loves you so very much. If you will do that, you will begin to see how easy it is to fall in love with that God. Because he's so good. He is so kind. It's so easy to love him. Because when you think of how he has loved you and how he has done for you, it's so easy to say, God, I love you. I just want to appreciate you and show your kindness back because you have shown me so much goodness. God, I love you. And we need to take up that book and we need to read and understand what true love is because only God knows love because he is love. And if we want to love we need to just go in that book of John and begin to read it so we can obtain love so we won't allow anything else to get into the situation between you and your God. A lot of times we don't know what love is, but here is an easy way to understand love, what love really is all about. Love is to do whatever that is necessary. Whatever you have to do, again, because love don't hurt and love don't offend. You can't do something that's offense, offensive or going to hurt anybody. So when I say do whatever necessary, it means all right things. You need to do whatever is necessary for the good of the person you love. That's love. So whatever you're supposed to do, it's for their own good. It's for their own benefit. It's just it's, it's, it's so they will be better off. That's that's what love is. So what are you doing for their good, for their benefit? It doesn't matter how they operate. If you need to love, remember God loved us even when we didn't love him back. 
So it's not about how they have to respond to you. It's only you understanding your responsibility of obeying the commandments of loving God and loving people. That's just your responsibility. You can't control anybody else. And if they are struggling with love, pray that they will come to the place of understanding how to love. There is a price for eternal life. That price is love. It sounds simple, but obviously we're not doing it because we're holding on to so many things that we won't give up to God. So as much as we feel like we've been loving God, I think we need to reexamine if we have been loving God. Because if we have been loving God, there would be nothing that we're withholding from him. There will be nothing that we're saying, I just can't do this. Why don't you go before the Lord just for a moment and pray? Father, in the name of Jesus. God. Will you begin to show us even now the things that we've held on to and kept from you, the things we've not allowed to be available to you? Will you show us, almighty God, the things that we will not commit to you, the things we will not sacrifice for you, the things, Lord God, that we're holding on to and says, oh God, I'll do almost anything except this thing, except that thing. Those are the only things that I won't do, but everything else, I will. will you show us those things so we realize, almighty God, that we're not really, truly loving you with all of our heart, with all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. God, I confess to you my goal, my desire, my objective is to love you the way you say I need to love you and to love others as myself. And God, I know I'm not there yet, but I want to get there, Lord. I want to get to that place, my God, where I'm loving you with all my heart. I'm loving you with all my soul. I'm loving you with all my mind and all my strength. God, I want to love you in that manner, Lord Jesus. That God, there will be nothing in my life, nothing that I do, nothing that I like that I will withhold from you, that I will let stop me, oh God, from following you. Oh God, we cannot follow you with baggages. We cannot follow you, Lord God, with the things that we want, Lord, with the loads that we carry around, with our own things, Lord God. But if we're going to follow you, Lord Jesus, we must follow you with empty hands. We must follow you unburdened. We must follow you, Lord God. Oh, Father, just with our hearts and minds and soul and strength, we must follow you, Lord God, and do what you want. I pray today, Lord Jesus, that somebody will examine themselves and realize, oh God, that they need to do better at following you and not allowing anything, Lord God, to prohibit them from following you in the name of Jesus Christ. That God, we will pay that price, that high price of love to, oh God, follow you and to obtain eternal life, Lord God, that we will pay that high cost of love, oh God, to see my brother okay, to see my sister okay. Oh God, I pray that you will strip us today from all that we have held on to, that held us captives, that kept us in a place, Lord God, where we was just stagnated. Will you move upon us today? Strip us today, Lord God, from all the unneeded things. Unload us, Lord God, from all the baggages, Lord, that today we can walk in liberty, that today we can walk in love, that today we can possess eternal life and be glad and be joyous and know, Lord God, that heaven will be our home and that nothing will prevent us from spending eternity with you. And so, God, I pray today that every person will be shaken, will be delivered, Lord God, will be healed, Lord God, will be set free today, oh God, that they can leave this place today not just blessed, not just equipped with the Word of God, not, oh God, just blessed from being in church, but they will leave 
this place knowing uh, that they have a hold uh, on eternal life uh, and that nothing Lord God uh, will stop them uh, from making heaven their home. Uh, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ uh, and Lord, uh, the Spirit of the Lord uh, will help us. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord uh, will empower us. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord uh, will undergird us. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord uh, will lead us uh, and guide us uh, and direct us. Uh, I pray today, Lord Jesus, uh, that this word, uh, this day, uh, this service, Lord God, uh, will change us, uh, will turn us around, uh, will set us free, uh, will let us look on the things uh, that are not worthy, uh, will look on the things, uh, oh God, that are not necessary and not needed. Uh, but God, uh, we will go on this journey uh, only with you, uh, only with love, uh, only by your instructions uh, that we will go on this journey and not take anything. Oh God, I've read in the Word of God when you send the apostles, Lord God, you told them to take nothing for their journey. And so God, we take nothing for our journey with you. Only love. We only go in love. There will be nothing that we will take on this journey. We will just go with you in love. We will follow after you in love and by faith. Nothing else, Lord God, will be suffice. Nothing else will matter to us, Lord God, for we will go in love today. We will go, oh God, in Jesus' name. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord God, for your word. For Lord, even when we're weary, even when we're downtrodden, even when we're hurting, even, oh God, when we don't know what to do, which way to go, you're always there. You're always comforting us. You're always giving us instructions. You're always working a way for us. And we thank you today, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God. We pray your blessing upon this church family. That God will be strong in you. That we will grow in spiritual maturity. And that the will of God may be done in our life. Father, we love you. Father, we appreciate you. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praise. Jesus, we thank you. Oh, will somebody just go ahead and thank the Lord today? Will you open your mouth and just say words of affirmation and appreciation and thanks unto the Lord? For He is good! For He is good! For He is good! Great is the Lord! And greatly to be praised! Great is the Lord! And greatly to be praised! Great is the Lord! And greatly to be praised! Somebody in this house need to commit their life to the Lord today. Somebody in this house need to give their heart, need to give their soul, need to give their mind, and need to give their strength to God. God has called you out today to say, surrender to me. Give your life to me. Don't you worry about the things that you're concerned about. Don't be concerned with what anyone says. Don't be concerned with your possessions. Don't be concerned with your identity. Don't be concerned with the things that you have grown accustomed to, that you appreciate, that you like. Don't you be concerned with those things.